0: This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of
1: Podcasts. Hi, I'm Imma. I live in Scotland. Hi,
2: I'm Jen and I'm from Canada.
0: Hi, I'm Ola Vanjie and I'm from Nigeria.
3: Hello, I'm Liki and I live in Paris.
1: Hey, I'm Rod I'm from Peru.
3: Welcome to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day, with everyone, from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our carbon sessions because it's not too late.
0: Hi, I'm Ola Banji. Hi,
1: I'm Jan. Hi, I'm
0: Joe. Uh, hi, Joe. How are you doing today?
1: Thanks. I'm great. The sun is setting down, and it's rained for the first time in months.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Which part of the world are you?
1: South of France. Droughty south of France.
0: That's cool. Welcome.
1: Beautiful south of
2: France. (laughs) Oh,
1: absolutely. (laughs)
2: We wanted to uh, to talk to you and bring you in as a guest today because we know that you are an architect and uh, as was said earlier before we started recording, an eco-architect, which is interesting. And uh, Fantastic.
0: So,
1: yeah, we wanted to ask you uh, a little bit about what you do. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I am an eco-architect, but honestly, I think all architects should be eco and sustainable. Uh, It's like sustainable architecture, it's all they talk about. If it's not sustainable, it's not good architecture uh, nowadays. So I'm just doing my job, I think. Uh, Hopefully the best way I can. But I do truly focus on, I've been focusing for a lot of years on the sustainability aspect of the buildings that I do.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And how's that going?
1: How's it going? <laughs> well, I focus on residential architecture. That's the one thing that all has always been my passion. My father was an architect as well, and he used to do banks and airports and stuff like that and office buildings. And just. it really wasn't my, my thing. So I came back to residential, to homes, and there's... Two or three types of people. There's the ones who really, really want to do their house in a beautiful way that's authentic to them. And, you know, they get all in, heart and soul. Mm. Then there's the people who want it quick and easy. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's the ones who just don't care. And that's the same for the ecology, for the sustainability part of it. But money is always an issue. Mm. The budget is always the main differentiator in projects, I have to say. Are you noticing that the, the eco
2: part of it is is coming from the consumer, the purchaser, or is it coming from the industry? Or what have you noticed in, in the past while? Has there been a shift?
1: There's been a shift when it comes to government-led projects because the regulation will determine a lot of things. And there is a slight input on this from the consumers, but it's sort of only scratching the surface. They say, oh, I want to be green. I want um, triple glaze and solar panels. <laughs> and that's the extent of it. But it's a good start. It's always a good start.
0: I have one really, I wouldn't call it an interesting question, but when you tell people about eco architecture, right, are they happy about it? Do they think that it's a fantastic thing, are they willing to like build um, carbon negative homes or they're just like, oh, uh, no, I just want the normal thing, <laughs> which is heavy in carbon. So, I mean, what what has your experience been in, in that area?
1: I guess that people think they see eco-architecture or any you know new type of architecture as something that will cost them money up front. And so they will always be reticent to it to a certain degree but then there's the enthusiasts who will go for it, you know just go for it and those are the ones the passionate ones are the ones that i love working with i'm not sure i i guess it's moving from all directions there's new technologies coming every day there's new materials coming every day and there's new types of clients coming every day and new types of buildings coming we're making now. We're designing an eco neighborhood in in the north of France in Bretagne. It's something that has never been done before. It's new ways of living together. That's very exciting.
0: Yeah, that's amazing.
1: Besides
2: triple glazed windows and solar panels, can you describe what some of the things are that constitute an eco home?
1: Mm, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cr- tricky answer here? Because it's a tricky question.
0: I was kind of asking, you know, I was thinking we can pick this up from, you know, how it benefits the environment. Because I feel like people need to know the good they're doing, or, you know, just know that they're not throwing money away. And what what they're doing is what we need and what everybody has to do right now, you know, building um, carbon negative homes or um, homes that are, you know, energy efficient in that sense. So Um, what are the benefits of doing this for someone who is wondering like, what are you guys talking about? Like, can you tell me this in simple English? Why would I want to do this? I I mean, it's a bit more expensive than what's, you know, what is regularly obtainable. So why should I put money in that? What, what does it do for me or what does it do for the environment? Can, can we take it up from there? And then we can also like talk about how to get started with existing homes like Leaky just mentioned, right? Like, how do we renovate our homes? What can we do now? Um, what do we need to plan for um, to be able to have a carbon negative home? And then we can also talk about what it takes to to start from scratch to build a zero energy home, for example, or to to kind of start from there. So uh, we, we can totally pick it up from the benefits. Why should we even be interested in this, right? You know, for, for a novice or someone that's just asking. Or an everyday person like me, I'm, I'm an architectural enthusiast, or architecture enthusiast, as as it may be. I've drawn some really whack <laughs> stuff, you know, in my design career. But it kind of uh, it tickles my fancy for a bit. So I'm also kind of interested um, in this. So maybe walk us through the benefits, and then we can pick it up from
1: there.
2: Yeah, and I think my question was about like what does it mean because like you said, windows and solar panels, it might be the first thing people think of. But what else? <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> okay, I'm on it. There's a lot. There you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, it is a trick question, because it all depends on the context of the build. And we've been seeing architecture in our buildings as a sort of template thing that you can put anywhere in the world and and it will always act the same. And now we're slowly coming back to the notion that every microclimate is different and each microclimate has their own specificities to which our buildings can can answer, they can relate to them. And so there's this dance with nature that we're starting to learn again bit by bit, and a lot of the vernacular architecture, so the architecture without architects, the way people built before, was anchored in this understanding of nature, but we've sort of lost it in the last couple of years, and we're only now starting to to bring it back, learning from nature. And we're also learning from nature by finding new materials, new natural materials that, that benefit us, and that don't harm the environment. To answer your question, Olabunji, about the benefit of a sustainable architecture, it's an architecture that makes sense and it makes sense not for the short term, it makes sense and not just for yourself, it makes sense for the long term and it makes sense for, for everything. We're now starting to think of buildings as a whole cycle the way all materials that come into it, how much carbon do they emit? How much carbon does the construction site emit? And then even more, after the natural life cycle of the building is over, how much emissions, how many emissions do you have when you either uh, let it degrade by itself or maybe compost in place or deconstruct and take elsewhere reuse or recycle or so all this life cycle of all the materials yeah. is now starting to come back into play. We've been avoiding it within like <laughs> talking about that. It doesn't matter mm. because our contract is set yeah. for, you know, this period of time and this amount of money. And so now we're starting to see the bit of bigger picture and it's absolutely fantastic. And it's, healthier for you it's healthier it's inherently better for the user
0: that makes total sense do we have a lot of like energy efficient homes in france do you see a lot of them or they're just starting to like um pick up um because we have like i don't think we even have them in nigeria um i don't think a lot of people care (laughs) And, and just to ask where might we start from right if we're Thinking about, I mean, there are buildings that already exist and we we probably want to make them more energy efficient and, you know, transition from um, the regular homes to a carbon negative home or one that is is like zero, little to zero carbon emitted. How do we get there? What are, are there quick steps that we can take? Um, Do we need to break down the building and start fresh. <laughs> where, where do we start from or oh, we probably just need to get some solar panels and 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 paint our roofs white or something but you you tell us where where we might you know start to pick up from oh,
1: there's a saying that i absolutely love which is the most sustainable building is the one that you don't build and in that mm-hmm. adapting existing buildings is one of the biggest things facing urban development now. Because there's a in all in all countries there's an enormous real estate park of existing buildings that are not efficient. They're not, they're guzzling energy all the time, they're leaking everywhere, and they're also not adapted as a layout to the needs that we have today. And it's an enormous challenge. And again, it depends on the context. You're, you know, you're gonna paint the roofs white, as you said, right? It, like people sort of need this list of things that we can do, and it's easy for an architect to say, "Yeah, you can do this, 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 and that." But it, it's not gonna help unless it's meant for the place you are in. Uh, in Nigeria, yeah, sure, it makes sense because white reflects the sun, and it doesn't let it absor- absorb into the into yeah. the roof. And so it helps cool the house down. It doesn't allow the heat to to settle in as much. But then in Canada, then it's totally useless. (laughs) Uh.
2: (laughs) Except we've had heat waves lately, so. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes, you
1: have. Tell us about that. Well, it's
2: been extraordinarily warm we're having um 30 degree weather here in the fall and uh we've had a very you know we've had had a heat dome last summer where where, where people were unprepared for it and um things are changing definitely um we had one of those tests in our home where they come in and they they seal everything up and they blow or they yeah a blower door test yeah and it was stunning to read the report after to see where everything was leaking from and we learned that we had to put little insulator pads behind electrical outlet uh, plates and like foam things behind the electrical plug plates and then also um, that some of our windows were horrible (laughs) And, you know, basically the house, you know, the roof is fine because we've got a lot of insulation up there, but the rest of the house is sort of leaking like a sieve. And so there are just so many things for as a consumer to start with. But I guess, like you say, I like what you said about working with what you've got. Yeah. To improve it in your context. Yeah. Well, uh... I was just going to say, what what is it? it do, do you have a situation you can tell us about that was your, your most exciting or your most challenging?
1: You know, in, in France, for a lot of years, the problem has been insulating for the winter. You have tropical uh, dry and warm climates where the issue is always keeping the heat out. Then you have cold areas where the issue is always keep the heat in. And then you have temperate climates where there's this, a bit of this for six months of the year and a bit of that for six months of the year. And, and France was in this category for a lot of time, uh, in they in the keep the heat in for a lot of time. And now it's starting to have this overheating issues in the summer because they weren't expecting it to go this far. The buildings that we have, they're prepared for a certain type of pattern, right? You're like humans are a pattern recognizing machine and we know things are going to happen in a certain way. And we build our buildings accordingly in a specific place. And now all these patterns have gone raw. It's not, like, nothing makes sense anymore. And I've had just last week I, a client telling me about her south-facing windows and saying, you know, we really want a lot of heat. And light coming through here in the winter, and I was trying to explain to her that she might want to put a a, a shade above that south-facing window, say sixty centimeters. Uh, how much is that in inches? I'm not sure. Yeah, like, say twenty inches, so that when the sun is high up in the summer, it it helps shade her window. Because otherwise, she's going to have overheating problems. She just wouldn't hear about it. She said, "No, it's going to be freezing in the winter." She wants, she wants her light. And so, people are not like prepared. Even though we've had heat waves like all of July and August, still, <laughs> they need the heat in.
0: Well, well, it sounds to me like insulation is kind of like the first step. I would, I would say. I mean, I'm, and I'm learning this from our conversation here. For people to get started, I don't know if, if you would agree with that. Would, would that be a correct statement to say that, you know, maybe start with insulation?
1: Absolutely, yeah. uh, and especially the insulation of the roof uh, and all the leaks and cracks that that you have in in the build in the building in the wall. There's two cools in this regard. In the 70s and 80s in America, they people started because of the petrol crisis. Uh, they started thinking about how we can better build our buildings to be more efficient. It was the first time, actually, when you know there was this type of discussions. And one school of thought said we're going to do passive solar. We're going to use the mass of the building and add mass inside the building, like big slabs, stone, bricks, and stuff like that, to to absorb the heat, the sun. We're gonna put big south facing windows for the summer to, you know, get heat heat inside the house, absorb it into the mass, and that will release slowly through the night, etc. And then the, the other school of thought was, mm, we're gonna make a thermos out of our houses. Uh there is not there's nothing really to come out. There's no heat that will come out. And so these two these two directions have been developing in parallel over the years. And now there's a lot of combinations. Back then, it was pretty clear that the insulation option is more efficient. It absolutely is more efficient. And that's how passive house design uh, and passive buildings have uh, were born.
0: Wow, that, that makes total sense. Um, and, and if I would bring this right from perhaps where where we started from it's it's the idea that zero energy homes or carbon efficient homes are really the best decision to make when you're building your home or when you're considering to renovate and that that's true for a lot of reasons first off the climate is not what it should be um, right now and anything at all that we can do to help should be should be considered and and secondly because when people when we start to do this in our environment, we encourage other people to do the same. And although it might, it might be seemingly expensive in the short term, it's way cheaper in the long term and then you get to spend less for, um, for a longer period of time. And, and for many other reasons, I think that if you're listening, you should consider uh, a zero energy home or, or consider renovating. And if you have a home, don't throw it away. You probably want to start with insulation. Um, and <laughs> and figure it out as as you go. Yeah, are, are there, is there something you, you want to leave us with, an advice or something that you think or that you've seen throughout your career that you think people should take note of or any thought that comes to mind concerning our conversation here? And if, if you were to give an advice to someone that's building a home, if it were three advice or, you know, how many advice? I don't know. If you were to give a number of you know advice to someone starting to build a home, or someone renovating a home, or someone that is just wondering, like, hey, I'm not going to do this. You, you guys just go, and I'll, I'll do me. What advice would you give to that person, or what would you say to anybody listening listening to this right now?
1: Well, um, to the ones who already have a home and are struggling with either heat or cold. Uh, in the summer and in the winter, I advise them to go ahead and take that advice of insulating the roof and finding the cracks and the leaks. And it will make the biggest change in the efficiency of your home. And that is seen from the next month on the bill for energy. It's the easiest thing you can do. It's not as expensive as you think. And it's really, really worth it for your comfort and for your bills. And then for new bills and for people who want to start and build their own home. One of the most beautiful things in my work is helping people build their house in a way that has a dialogue with nature and with the outside. And I'm going to go, I'm going to be just a little bit dorky here and say, that my philosophy is that the way we see our relationship with nature is getting reflected in the way we build our homes. And being insulated, totally insulated, can be very good, you know, energy efficient. But also, don't forget to consider that there's this dialogue, this dance with nature that we have. That's beautiful.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Beautiful,
2: and you know, like bringing the light in, or opening to a view, or being mindful of a tree, or (laughs) (laughs) those kinds of things. I've seen homes that have done that, and uh, and they are stunning.
1: Yeah, and it's there is more and more research. It's called biophilic design. It's a design that takes into consideration our innate a relationship with nature and is being studied more and more and the benefits are enormous uh, is being used widely in healthcare architecture because you can you can clearly see that for example hospital rooms that have biophilic design integrated have better recuperation rehabilitation of the patients than the ones without and it's clear (laughs)
0: wow
1: it doesn't take more money It just takes more thoughtfulness.
0: That that is mind-blowing right there. (laughs) That is amazing.
2: And it makes so much sense. I have a a friend who's 40 who had a a traumatic experience recently of of a, a couple of discs in his back going and they had to do surgery and he lost the use of his legs. And he spent 100 days in a rehabilitation center where I think he was the youngest person in there. But he was placed in a room that had this stunning corner window with the view of the most beautiful gardens. And he said, This is what has sustained me during my recovery was being able to lie in the bed, because he couldn't do much and look out at this greenery and the flowers and the birds and and honestly, I think it made a huge difference <laughs> yeah. to his well-being, his
1: recovery. So yeah, it, I'm sure it's it an interesting. And the more we get back to nature in this way, like remembering, seeing it, and being in direct contact with it, the more we'll try and save it. Yeah. Being stuck in the subway and then in an office building with no windows out is not going to remind us mm. that nature is beautiful and it's worth saving. Biophilic, as in philo, as yes. in love. Uh-huh. Love of life. Bio. Wow.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, well,
1: that's a great term, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's pretty niche, but it also takes into account anthropological knowledge about how our brains reacted to you know to the savanna, to prospect and refuge, to color contrasts, to you know all of these new things that we learn every day about how our bodies react to the outside, being built into architecture. It's a fantastic Wow, year.
0: that's amazing. That's amazing. This this is just opening up like more levels of depth as to why we should we should really consider this. I think there's a research that says and and this is particularly useful for people that work from home or people that spend long hours in in the office. And it says that you should at least go outside to see the sun or look at nature for um, is it 20 minutes? I can't remember. That spoke to me because sometimes I'm at home for like two days and I don't even step out. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I, <laughs> I, I just write it in my, you know, put it in my schedule <laughs> to, to get out and take a walk or... Just go stand in the sun earlier in the morning and appreciate the gift of nature and, and look take a look at the trees and I'm even looking for rivers nearby where I can just go sit and just take it in. So thank you, Joe. It's been an amazing conversation. I, I enjoyed this.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Learned a lot of new things. Thank you so yeah. much, Joe, for oh, your so wisdom. glad
1: to be here with you guys.
0: We're, we're glad you could join us today. If the listeners or, you know, anyone wanting to make better decisions about their homes, um, if they want to contact you, is that okay? How best can we contact you? Is an email, I mean, you tell us how best can we contact you?
1: Well, I write a Substack about homes that dance with nature. Uh, it's called Joseph Estulleri of Imaginary Friends and it's at joepatroni.substack.com. and I also coach upgraders and self-builders uh, at permaculture dot permarchitecture.net.
0: Oh that's amazing. That's amazing. And so we're gonna put the, the appropriate links in the description. So um, if you're listening you can totally check it out, click it and and say hi to Joe.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I'd uh, love to thank you. I'd love to get to know a bit of uh, the people who listen to this beautiful podcast. You've been listening to
3: Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day, with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation,